you know, this church that I grew up in, or at least one of the churches, we were involved in a number of churches as I was a kid. We moved around a little bit. But one of the churches reminded me a lot of Spring Valley. We had a beautiful sanctuary, and then from that beautiful sanctuary, we had a really uh, beautiful education wing. And so, you know, it was, it was a lot laid out a lot like our church as we have it here. But one of the differences uh, between that church and this church is you went into the education wing in that church, there was a portrait hanging right as you went into that hallway. And the portrait was of a very, very distinguished-looking woman. She was an older woman, she very dignified, white hair, well-coiffed. And, you know, I, I went by, that as a kid, I went by that that portrait just every time I went down to Sunday school and I you know I thought well you know who who is this woman because I knew that she wasn't Mary I knew she wasn't Martha I knew she wasn't Ruth I knew she wasn't Esther I knew she wasn't any of the Bible people I read about or studying about and, and so I asked my mom I said well like who is this woman she says well that's Gladys said, Gladys man is, like who is Gladys I hadn't read about Gladys in the Bible well, no, Gladys is the woman who gave the money for the education wing. Oh, man, I tell you, as a kid, I was impressed. First of all, I was impressed that Gladys had that much money. <laughs> Second of all, I was impressed that Gladys built, the, you know, gave the money to the church to build the building. And third, I was impressed that Gladys had her picture right down from Jesus and the other <laughs> disciple. I, I, I mean, Gladys, I mean, this is, she is really something. I was, I was impressed. But, but more than simply being impressed, I began to form this impression. And the impression in my mind as a kid, it, it, it worked like this. That if you had enough money, if you, know, if you were as rich as Gladys, then you could be generous. You know, if, if I had enough, if we have enough, then we, you know, at that point, then we can start being generous. I don't think it's hard to, to start thinking that way. I just want to let you know. I mean, I, I think, you know, as, as I look back and as I kind of see my growth in terms of understanding generosity, you know, I've been in a lot of other places and seen a lot of other portraits of a lot of other people who are like the, the benefactors and the philanthropists and the people who make things possible. And I, and I am so grateful for the Gladyses of, of this world. But even as we're grateful for the Gladyses of this world, I want to share with you another story. And it's also about generosity. And, and what it begins to do is put a little bit of a twist on how we understand generosity as, you know, yeah, it is about our money, but it's, it's more than that. And so I want to share with you from our stewardship devotional, there was a beautiful story this last Thursday, and um, this is not Gladys's story, this is Freda's story. And you may know Freda, Freda's a, a member of our church, uh, Freda is Sharon Clark's mom, and Freda worked here at the church for a number of years, and, and let me share with you Freda's story, and it, it, uh, her lead scripture is from uh, Luke, and it's a scripture that reads like this, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So here's Freda's story. After my husband's sudden death and my loss of income, I had a struggle making ends meet. With no job, because I was too old, I could only pledge $5 a month to the church. My dear friend saw my anxiety and gave me a widow's mite coin to me. This was God's message that everything would be all right. 
And sure enough, as my meager income increased, I finally signed my pledge for my first tithing. And y'all may be familiar, tithing is a gift of 10% of your income. So Freda signs her pledge for her first tithing. She says, it isn't much. I go, I beg to differ <laughs> a lot. I beg to differ greatly. I mean, that's a beautiful statement, but uh, I tell you, that's a tremendous understatement. <laughs> but it's my gift of thanks to God. I tell you, that's what makes it important. It's my gift of thanks to God for caring for me through the years. In fact, I, I have some extra, and during the year at times, uh, help the food bank and the church missions and others. Uh, many blessings have been given to me. And my greatest joy, the joy of generosity, is being able to pass these blessings on to others. My gift may not be a lot, but look at what the widow's might did in her life. Every little bit matters. Storing our treasure with God lets us serve him by helping others. What will be your answer to the scripture where your treasure is? There shall your heart be also. I want to tell you, I read that. She preached to me right there. <laughs> so I just wanted to share it with you. Because, I mean, what a powerful message. It's a message where you begin to realize that when it comes to generosity, you know, it is a matter of money, but it's more than a matter of money. It is also a matter of the heart. It doesn't matter whether you have millions. It doesn't matter whether you have mice. It, do it doesn't matter. You know, what matters is kind of where how we bring together faith and how we bring together finance and how the expressions of the gifts we give are gifts of love, gifts of the heart, gifts truly to God that express where our love is, you know, with the Lord. And so as we gather and think about generosity, I want to invite us to think about it from that place because, you know, from that place, generosity is inspiring. I know it's always inspiring for me, and I bet you it's inspiring and uplifting for you. And what I mean by that is, you know, I think about people's response to the hurricanes and to the earthquakes and to the wildfires, and I hear about the outpouring that comes from people in terms of they see people who are suffering and see people who are in need and, and how many people step forward and how many people offer prayers and they offer gifts, and, and they do it out of a sense of loving and caring and serving. And so for me, I see that and it, and it lifts me up and it inspires me. And I think that's what generosity does it, because it's a matter of giving from the heart. It touches our hearts and it lifts our hearts. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, as he writes in the scripture this morning, you can tell that, that his heart was touched. That's kind of what's behind this text today. You know, as he starts out in verse 1, he says, you know, I, I mean, I got to tell you this story, he says. He's writing to the Corinthian church about the Macedonian church. He says, Man, I, he says to the Corinthians, I've got to tell you this story because something's happening here that's really, you know, is inspiring and uplifting. And, and so he goes on to share with them, uh, you know, a little bit of the story. And let me give you the backstory so you'll kind of catch up with the rest of the story. The backstory is that in the early church, we're going back to you know 40 AD and 50 AD, like way, way back, the, the central church, the mother church, was the church in Jerusalem. That was the central church. And there had been some famines in Judea, some famines in Jerusalem, and that really kind of decimated the whole area and decimated the, the early church. And there was great, great need in Jerusalem. 
And so what the Apostle Paul was doing is he's traveled around the Mediterranean. He was contacting all the churches that he had started and all the churches he had spoken in. And as he, and as he contacted them, he says, you know, what we're doing is going to take off an offering, just a general relief offering for the church back in Jerusalem. And so he's, he's going around and he's making this appeal. And as he's making this appeal, all of a sudden from the most unlikely people in the most unlikely place, which is for him as the church of Macedonia, there's this, there's this huge gift. And so he, he, you know, this happens, and then out of that, then this writing comes. He's, he's saying to the Corinthians, you know, you need to know that this was the most amazing thing because that church, the church of Macedonia, here's the words he uses to describe the church in Macedonia, severe affliction and extreme poverty. He says that was the condition of the church, but out of that condition of that church, he says, overflowed this gift of of unbelievable generosity and and liberality. And so you can just see, he's kind of shaking his head, thinking like, that's amazing and it's great, but like, how does that happen? How does that happen? He said, you know, and you can tell that he feels that he needs to learn some of the lessons of generosity. And he does learn them, and he does pass them on to the Corinthians, and he does pass them on to us. And so as we read this morning, there's a couple lessons here that are really pretty important for us to grasp hold of. And the first lesson is this. We just need to be, I think, correct in our thinking about generosity. Because when we think about generosity, often we, times we think, well, it begins with giving. And I want to share with you folks, when you look in the text here this morning, it doesn't begin with giving. It actually begins with receiving. The way that the apostle begins to describe where generosity comes from, our generosity, comes out of a greater, much grander generosity than than we could ever hope for in our own lives. It comes out of the generosity of God. And he says, you know, the generosity of God is seen in this, that Jesus, who was rich in all things, Rich in God's love, rich in God's grace, rich in God's mercy, rich in God's forgiveness, rich in, 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 in all things. But that Jesus, God gave that Jesus to us. He says, the one who is rich became poor so that you and I might become rich. And that's the way the scripture reads this morning. The one who is rich, Jesus, who is rich became poor so that we might become rich, so that we might receive so that we might know what it means to be blessed by God, so that we might begin to understand that our lives are lived within the outpouring of God's love in Christ that touches our lives in every way. And we might be, begin to understand the, you know, the true abundance and the true richness that, that embraces all of our lives in Christ. And so he says, you know, start out understanding this, that we are a people who have received and who have received it in every way. He says, once we've gotten you know, to that starting point, then the next step we take is this. The next step is not thinking about, okay, from that place, let's talk about what gift I'm gonna make, financial gift I'm gonna make back to God. He says, you know, don't go there, that's, that's down the road. He says, the next step is this, once we have received, then begin to grow rich in that gift of grace. Begin to let that gift of God where God begins to 
pour his love into your life and my life in Jesus Christ. You know, let us take it in. And as we take it in, let us grow rich in a relationship that we share with God in Christ. And the way you grow rich in a relationship, in any relationship, and in our relationship with God in Christ as well, is you receive. But even as you receive, you begin to return. Because that's the way relationships work. You receive, you return, you receive, return. It's kind of a, a cyclical kind of, of encounter that we begin to find ourselves in. And so God loves us and we love God. And you begin, you begin to grow in that love. And so as we look in the scripture this morning, the way that the apostle begins to describe that, he says, you know, the one who is rich became poor for our sakes that we might become rich. And he says then what they did is out of that place... Then what they did is they gave themselves, before they gave any financial gifts, they gave themselves to God. And that's what he talks about. It's about what we begin to do is we give ourselves to God. And how do you do that? Well, you do it in worship. You do it when we come and we lift up God's name, when we celebrate God's grace, and we give thanks for that in our lives. We say, you know what? God, I want to praise you because I'm one of your children and, that's, and I want to love you, and worship is part of that. We do it in prayer. When you and I bow and we pray and we say, God, here's my needs, here's my cares, here's what I want, here's, and we list all of that, and I'm going to say, I'm going to give all this to you and place that at the foot of the cross. And, and while I'm doing all of that, I'm going to give myself too. I'm going to give my heart too. Because I know that that's part of it. All the things I've just described are all part of me, and I'm going to give me too. We do it at the altar when we come forward in communion and we kneel and we pray. We do it in those moments, I think, so often that are just private moments where it's you and God. And you say, Lord, you know what? I know what you mean to me. And so out of knowing what you truly mean to me, I want you to know how I then return and give my life to you. John Wesley put it beautifully in his covenant prayer which is in the covenant, which is in the Wesley renewal service. The highlight of that service and the highlight of that covenant prayer, in my opinion, goes like this. And now, most glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine, and I am thine, so be it. Thou art mine. You're my God, and I am yours. That's the way it is. And so the Apostle Paul invites us to come into that place. He says what they did was the, the Macedonians, they gave, they received from God in Jesus Christ, and they gave themselves to God in Jesus Christ. And after they gave themselves, then they began to think about, well, what about the gifts we want to make to others? And as they began to think about that gift that they wanted to make to others, they began to think about that then in a different in a different way because they were coming from a different perspective. They were coming from a different place. It wasn't just a matter of sitting down and getting out the calculator and saying, okay, you know, here's what I got and here's what we need and, you know, making it totally just a financial transaction. It, you know, it was financial. Yes, indeed it is. He says you have to give according to your means. You can't give out of what you don't have, you know. You, you, we can't do that. But at the same time, just like I've been saying, it's more than financial. And that's what he wants to draw us into. It's a matter of faith. And as I look at my gift and you look at your gift and we think about that, does it also reflect and share the love of God that you have in your heart? You know? I mean, 
mean, that's what I, and that's what makes it important. That's what I tried to share with the kids this morning. When they give a gift to their parents, you know, what makes it important is that it comes from their heart. And that's what makes it important for God. It comes from the heart. And so, you know, we begin to look at that, and as we look at that, the apostle says, you know, I know that you want to excel in every way. I mean, they must have been a real competitive group, the Corinthians, actually, in a way, because, you know, he says, I know you want to do the best at everything. I know you want to do the, you know, what's excellent in everything. I know you want to excel in every way. You want to excel in faith. You want to excel in speech, which is like preaching. You want to excel in, in knowledge, which is teaching. You want to excel in your eagerness. You want to do the best. You, you always want to do it the best. He says, and, and I want applaud that and if you want to do it the best and excel in everything he says let's excel in this too and the way you excel in this too is to make sure that as we give our gifts that it comes from here from our hearts as well as from the resources that the one who is the giver of all good things has given to me and has given to you and as you know, the apostle invites us into that excellent place, into that more excellent way. He says, then if you want, then if you want to do some testing, and as he writes this in the, in, the, uh, in the scripture, he says, begin to kind of compare your love, your gift, the, you know, the Corinthian church against the Macedonians. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know if I was in Corinth whether I want to do that. But that would be like me coming and saying to all of us, hey, we want to talk about our gifts that we're going to be giving. Well, let's do the Gladys test. And let's do the Freda test, you know. And let's kind of, kind of look at it that way. And you say, golly, as I look at it that way, it's, it's, in, it's challenging. And it is. And it's inspiring. And it is. But here's, here's where I want us to to really think about you know in some ways Gladys and Freda you know they're like miles apart in terms of of their financial abilities but in some ways they're just they're sisters they are sisters they are right together and where they are spiritually they are both coming from the exact same place and that's the place that the apostle is inviting all of us to come to. He says the most excellent way. The final hymn we're going to sing is called The Gift of Love. And, and the final verse goes like this. O spirit come, our hearts control, because our spirits long to be made whole. Let inward love guide every deed. And by this, we worship, and we are freed. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit.